Hi, welcome to Around Town, where we seek to discover insights into places, events, topics, and issues that you want to know about in our great city. I'm your host, Nick Berkfeld, with producer Chuck Luck. Today, we'll be talking with Andrew Mitchell, the CEO of Teuton Totem. Thanks so much for coming on today. Thank you very much, Nick. I do appreciate y'all inviting us in for today. What's your connection to West Texas? Born in Amarillo, Texas. I did attend uh, Tascosa High School. So I was down in Lubbock quite often playing sports, whether it was football or basketball. Some really competitive teams down in Lubbock. It was always a pleasure to come down to Lubbock because your biggest rival was down here and probably going to area or by district already. From there was an interesting decision. I had to make a choice between two different universities. And one of those was where I ended up going was the University of Oklahoma. The greatest thing was I was able to meet my wife. And I actually met her my freshman year, really fell in love with my wife. After I believe it was mid-sophomore year, she invited me that summer to come down to Lubbock because that's where she lived. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're from Lubbock. I said, I used to come to Lubbock all the time. My wife was born and raised in Lubbock. We're going on, let's see, uh, she's going to kill me if I don't say this right. I believe it's 15 years. Wow, this April. And along with that, we have three beautiful children, 12-year-old daughter, 10-year-old son, and a eight-year-old son. They are definitely keeping us moving. Every sport, soccer, football, basketball, volleyball, we are involved in. I couldn't ask for anything more. That's most important to me. What are some of the experiences that you reflect on in growing up in Amarillo? Of course, I was doing my own sports growing up and doing all that. But we were involved in the family business at a very early age, 12 years old. At that point, it was whether we were painting yellow curbs, cleaning out a warehouse, riding with maintenance men and women, as well as working in the office with the IT department. You know, I had a a grandmother that was just a dynamic grandmother, an entrepreneur of many different statures. Right after that was my father that really grew the business, that really put his heart and soul into it. You look back on it as a kid, he didn't want to miss dinners. He didn't want to miss events and sporting events. And he did the best he could. And he was there for us as much as he could. But truthfully, he was there growing this business with his team. We've got some fellow team members that are with us today that are 30 plus years that were with him from the beginning. Back to the original question, West Texas, same thing as the Oklahoma Panhandle. Family had a ranch over there and we would frequent it quite often. A lot of hunting and fishing in our lives. And as a kid, we would do a lot of trips to Colorado, a lot of skiing. We were a snow skiing type family. My parents, my mom and dad, Julie and Greg Mitchell. I also have two sisters and a brother, not a much older, but an older sisters. One lives up in New York and one lives in Fort Worth right now with their families as well. My brother is in Amarillo working with the company as well as our vice president of construction. We all are in this business, whether we were kids going to stores as well and working, whether it was behind the register or stocking shelves, that's what we did. Christmas morning, we all knew that that's where dad was going. Dad was out seeing stores. Really, the stores and the teams that were out there working to service the guests were part of our family. Now today, you know, I take my kids sometimes and take my wife and go out and see these team members because truthfully, they are who we are. We try and train them as best we possibly can, teach them, of course, our values and mission each and every day. What are some of the values that you took from your childhood into your parenting of your own kids? The biggest story I think I can ever remember as a child that my father brought upon me was one time he went into a store. He walked with my grandmother and he walked out. He's in the back seat and he opens up, I don't know if it's a candy bar, some kind of candy more than likely. And my grandmother looks back and she says, Greg, where did you get that? He said, well, I got it in the store. She said, you didn't pay for it. He goes, no, I don't need to pay for that. She stopped the car, reversed that car, brought him back in by his ear, put him on the checkout counter 
counter and said, every single thing that you take from this store, you pay for it. Now pull out your own money and pay for it. A small gesture of, you know, not to steal. My kids are absolutely aware of that. What we use today in regards of what we've kind of developed in our culture, and our culture is, is everything that we are. We have five values that we strive for each and every day in our company. The first one that I think is the most key that I use in my own personal life and with my kids is to honor and value. We're here only a short stint in our life. Honor and value each and every person, no matter where they come from or who they are. Honor and value each and every person. The second one that I think is the most important is ownership. We always like to make sure that whatever you're doing in life, whether you're playing a sport, working at the stores, just have ownership in it. Have pride in what you do and continue to strive. The third one that I look forward to is always guest ready. And that's really more about having yourself ready, waking up that morning, having your appearance proper, having yourself ready for the guest. And, you know, in a kid's term, that's not really guest. That's more about going to school. But we do strive for those each and every day in our stores. Fourth is more related towards the stores, and that's making sure we're quick, clean, and convenient. You know, we are a convenient store. Convenience, it always wins out. The last and final one is team-focused. You can't do it on your own. If you think you can do it on your own, you're wrong. And I think that really boils down from sports. I think that really is coming to my kids and right now and realizing that I can score this touchdown or I can spike this ball or I can score this goal. But really, it took at least five to six other people in football, 10 more that had to block. Funny, I was mentioning that to my son actually on Sunday. And I said, you know, he's a running back, which is really fun to watch. You know, when you're 10 years old, you don't really hit hard. You just got to be the fastest guy. And he literally can just come around the side and he takes off. And I said, that's great. No, you scored a touchdown because you're fast. I said, but you realize those other 10 people were blocking for you were doing something. So he always makes the time to walk over and, you know, pat everyone on the head and say, good job. And then my youngest in soccer too, he passes a lot. And I asked him, I said, why do you pass the ball? I want you, you know, knock that sucker in there. And he said, well, because I want somebody else to score too. You know, I don't know if you call that team focused or if you just call that honor and value, but he does. He passes the ball a lot. My daughter in what she's doing in her volleyball career and just getting started seventh grade. So it can be challenging as we all know, she's getting into this sports world. Uh, she's been playing sports and she got nervous about trying out for the team. Like any child would do. She calls me up and said, dad, I made the goal in my back of my mind, I'm going, man, it's a lot of people that tried out. You know, I hate to be that dad to ask that question. And sure enough, there was around 55 young ladies that tried out and she made one of the top 10 to make the team. And so it's really fun to see your kids just transpire into something. You know, what my dad was striving for, he was instilled a lot of those things from his mother because his lifestyle was completely different than mine. Widowed mother, his father died at a very young age, at four or five years old. He didn't have that opportunity to have his dad there on the sidelines at the football games or in his career or ask those questions that we all do. He just didn't have that. He's just an incredible man as well that I have to give some kudos to because he got all that from his mother. At what age did you realize that you wanted to work for the family business? And what do you feel like that says about the culture of the organization? I can't really specifically say the exact time frame. You know, I was still that young high school kid, wanted to go off to college, wasn't quite sure what I wanted to major in. You know, I think business was always there. I want to say it's once I got to school and it's about my sophomore, junior year. Okay, it's time to get serious. We got to figure out what we're going to do with our lives. That's when I decided that I absolutely wanted to be in the convenience store business. I applied at the end of my senior year to go work for Quick Trip, Tulsa-based organization. It was one that was a very fast and growing business. I didn't want to come straight back to the company. I wanted to go see some, what somebody else is doing and doing well. And they did it well, and they're still doing it well. So I went down and moved to Dallas, got a position. I was a second assistant in Dallas, the quick trip by Love Field, very, very busy store in front of Love Field. Three days mornings, two days on the night shift, and worked with an incredible team. That was my first real outside the position and not working painting curbs or sweeping parking lots. Worked for a manager that kind of instilled to me a little different style than I was used to. He knew I knew the industry exactly. 
I was fronting everything all the time. And he was just like, holy cow, like, where'd you grow up? And it's like, well, actually, I uh, I worked for a convenience store chain up in Amarillo, Texas. We didn't really go into all the detail, you know, you don't want to spill the beans on everything. He said, well, you're doing really well. You know, how would you like to look at being a traveling team member for Quick Trip? And I said, what does that entail? And well, we have call-ins, we have people that have issues. And so we still got to cover the stores. So you would travel and they'll call you out and you'll drive to another store in Plano or Fort Worth or wherever else. And I said, well, that sounds interesting. You know, yeah, I'll take a look at it. 10 months after that, they transitioned me into a kind of a traveling team member for Quick Trip. I'd pick up something different from every single store I went to. They were all basically the same stores. You knew where the registers were all the same and so forth. It wasn't about that. We all sell the Snickers bars. We all sell Butterfingers and candies. And But it was more about the people and working with each individual. Quick Trip was definitely an eye-opener for me. Kind of got burned out a little bit on the go, 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 go mentality of Dallas and missed my West Texas roots. I ended up deciding to pack it all up and move back to Amarillo. That's when I joined in and started working in our marketing department at the time is what it was called. That's kind of what got me going where I was going. And we'll be right back with Andrew to continue our conversation on Around Town on 89.1. Welcome back to Around Town. Our guest today is Andrew Mitchell, the CEO of Tootin Totem. I'd like to bring the conversation back to your grandmother and her entrepreneurial spirit. Can you talk about her? I'd love to talk about her. Novi was my grandmother. She was an entrepreneur through and through. She literally set the tone and the way that we are today. It's really an interesting story. Back in 1950 is when this all started with uh, Novi and Lefty Mitchell. My grandfather, Lefty, was around to help her kind of get going our first stores at 15th and Washington in Amarillo, Texas. The idea was the best way to explain it is you would pull up in a parking spot. In front of you would be basically garage doors. Every morning and afternoons, they'd lift the garage doors and there it all was. The produce, the milk was over in the cooler and and everything was set up. So Evans always asked, how did y'all get the name? Well, here it is. Literally, you would pull up and you would toot your horn, as it makes sense, and out would come somebody to take your order. I need a gallon of milk and lettuce and blah, 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 blah. They'd write it down and they'd go pull it all up and they would tote them their groceries. It's a funny name. Let's not lie about that. That's really how it all got started. But not only that, she'd also started a bridal boutique called Little Brown House, and it's still operational today. It's run by my cousins. They run it there in Amarillo, Texas, as well as an electric company called Mitchell Electric. So she had basically three businesses running. And then unfortunately, in 1955, she became a widow. My father was, I think, about four years old, and I believe my aunt was about six or seven. She had these businesses to run. And back then, very different situations. Great Aunt Lucille kind of stepped in with my grandmother, Novi. So my grandmother could really focus on the businesses and continue to watch them grow and strive and do what they've done. Pretty remarkable how my great aunt came in and would help raise my father and his sister. From there, you know, the story just kept growing where she was just doing remarkable things. She had competition just like everybody else. One large story that we get to hear is kids is one time a competitor came to town and said, you know, we would like to buy your stores. They said it to my grandmother and she said, well, you know, we're not really for sale, but we'll talk about it. You know, why don't you bring us your information and we'll look. My grandmother goes to my father and she says, okay, I need you to put together all of our information, everything from sales to gallons to margins, put them all together and bring them in here. He said, are you really going to sell this thing? She said, well, we'll just see. So he spent months and months and he put it all together. The competitor comes in that day and 
you know, what'd you think about our offer? And she said, well, I tell you what, since you brought all your stuff, why don't you leave your stuff? We'll take a look at it as well. And then we'll get back to you. The competitor leaves town. And my grandmother looks at my father. Greg says to Novi, are you really going to sell this thing now? And she said, no, not at all. He said, well, you just made me spend months and months putting all this stuff together on all of our stores, which I think at that time was like 30 something stores and put all this together to sell the company. She looked at him and she said, well, Greg, you know the business a whole lot more. So then they went back and they ended up actually buying the competitor out and growing the stores. That was when major refiners were kind of getting out of the retail business and they wanted to structure more around just the refined product. And so we had some opportunities that we jumped on and then a few other stores. But back to the original question about Novi, I remember her as a grandmother, very structured. Everything was by the book. We ate at a certain time. Your manners, everything was on cue. I think that's still carrying over today. You don't realize it at the time. You don't realize how hard she was on us. But then you start to look at it and go, well, she's actually what's ingrained in all of us ingrained in my father and is now being ingrained into what would that be? Her great, great grandchildren. Unbelievable to think about. I think she'd be really impressed with what the family has put together and continues to strive with. The gas station business has evolved over time, especially from the origins of your families. How did your grandmother make difficult choices about how the business would change over time and your father as well? You know, especially with family in the business, it can get hard to manage. I think when it all boiled down to is when things were changing and adapting, whether it was at the C-store level or the office level, pay at the pump, that wasn't really necessarily a thing. And then it came about. Well, it wasn't just, okay, let's just put on new dispensers and start charging at the pump. It was a drastic change to the industry. We had to, of course, redo all of the pumps. And then there was a, a surcharge and all this information that had to be changed over in communication and back office. You know, we're a PDI office user everything changed. And that's just a small glitch of kind of what happened. And I guess what's the word, adapt or die type mentality. But she did. What's really even clever too is fountain units actually were not a thing. You know, it was refilled bottled Cokes. It was send them back and recycle and do all this stuff. We put our first fountain unit in. We didn't. My father did. He tells me about it. He said, I'll never forget the first day we put one in. And who would have thought that a fountain unit dispensing Cokes would go over, you know? There was a fountain unit. Now there's freestyle units that you can make every concoction in the world you can think of. It's just the way the industry works. Each one of our leadership team is actually in a share group. We do small share groups to kind of see what's going on across the East Coast, the West Coast. A lot of the adaptions that can happen on the East and West Coast kind of start to center in on the Midwest a little bit. We get to share really great ideas that have worked for the industry. We always know that convenience wins, whether it's the right entrance, whether it's the right exit, drive patterns. We always look at those kinds of scenarios. One of our biggest features that we've really been successful at is drive throughs Each one of our locations, except for the travel centers, will accompany with a drive through And so our guests have really enjoyed pulling up to our windows and ordering what they want. Everyone just has that favorite go-to. So our drive throughs have been pretty successful. Pull up, get everything you need extremely quick and move on. That's not even good enough anymore. Now we're into, we call it Fetch'em, which is our delivery system that we do, DoorDash type Uber, everyone's seen those, that you can order anything that you want, anything in the store, of course, besides lottery and some other things, and have that delivered right to your door. There's that. There's also self-checkouts. There's so many different ways that the industry has changed. I really feel like it's changed for the better because the fast pace that the industry is in, as well as our societies are in, is really changing. If we don't change, we're going to see a loss in what we're doing. In the family side of things, how it all kind of worked out is the good part is, is that some of these situations from my grandmother that other family members want to do other things. And that's completely great. And that's what we hope happens. 
you know, I'm not so sure I want to be in the C-store industry. And that goes with my sisters. They raise beautiful families in one in New York and one in uh, Fort Worth. Absolutely love what they do with their families. They're just not into the convenience store industry. And that's completely fine. Um, They love it. They love coming home and seeing all the changes that have been made. It's been great. It really has. You know, I think our family's done extremely well in working together and trying to grow this company and grow in different areas as well. What are some products at Tootin Totem that are unique to y'all that you're really proud of? We do a lot of different things. You know, our fountain category is one that we really strive to perfect each and every day. When you tweak the fountain a little bit and you tweak the ice and you have the right ice, the right straw, the right lid, it really boils down to a really quality product. Some other things that we have in ours specifically is it comes out of our kitchen. It's our fresh made kitchen where we produce every sandwich, wrap, a hoagie, wedge sandwich, everything from peanut butter and jellies to ham and cheese sandwiches that you see, our salads, our breakfast burritos. Our breakfast burritos are made fresh and delivered to every single store. We're also working on some stuff actually here in Lubbock. Um, it's called Mitch's Barbecue off of Marsha Sharp in Milwaukee. Actually, we'll have a restaurant that we will also distribute to all the other stores where we will smoke on site. I think if you drive by the intersection, you will not miss it. And that will be delivered out to majority of the stores, as well as a restaurant there at Marsha Sharp in Milwaukee. It gives us that consistency that we're looking for in our products to be able to manage that. But it also gives us that quality that we want in a product. And so when something's not right, we can handle it right then and there, either make new product or not. There's a few other fun things that are coming to the Lubbock market, especially. We're working on a pastry program that we've implemented in Amarillo. We're excited to bring it down to Lubbock. It just needs a little bit more time for us to make sure that we roll it out properly. So those are some of the fun things that we're doing different. Some of the other oddball things, of course, is our warehouse distribution. So we're able to bring in certain items seasonally or whether it's um, one-time try of anything, whether it's something that was found at a show or one of our share groups says, hey, this really sold and did well. Could it be trinkets? It could be whatever else that might come in. It gives us that flexibility that we can, hey, let's get it in. Let's get it to the stores quickly. Let's see how it runs, see if it sells, and then we can fluctuate it back through. And we'll be right back with Andrew to continue our conversation on Around Town on 89.1. Welcome back to Around Town. We're speaking with Andrew Mitchell, the CEO of Tootin Totem. When you look back at the Tootin Totem organization over time, where has it gone since its origins? So when I first was originally coming back to Amarillo, 2005, we were doing very well in the growth. We actually had some acquisitions that took place north into the northern panhandle, Dumas, Dalhart, and kept going up into the Kansas market as well, which really helped us kind of move out of Amarillo. But at that same time, we started looking about how can we vertically integrate some of these things that we do and that we have some of the mass that we can use. And so my first job when I came back was to work with one of our team members. He's now our vice president of category sales and merchandising, been with us for 30 plus years, and that was to help develop our warehouse. We started off in a very small 10,000 square foot warehouse with just some of the basic items that we could fill a truck and get it to a store and save on some of this by buying in bulk. The next one was 10,000 plus 12,000. So now we're sitting here roughly around a 20,000 square foot, 10,000 maintenance warehouse. Then about five more years later, we're like, well, we need more space. And so now we've kind of grown this warehouse. It's a 76,000 square foot warehouse, half maintenance and half warehouse. 
I got to see some of the changes and some of the product selections that we were able to bring in that nobody else could get as well. Still using our grocery supplier at the same time, but it really gave us that advantage where we could buy in bulk and do some different things with the products. From there, we started to diversify into vertically integrating into Supa. Supa is our transportation business that we haul all of our fuel, roughly around 80% of all of our fuel to all of our C stores. You'll see some of these beautiful trucks rolling down and around Lubbock. We've got them really dressed up nice with a lot of Texas Tech stuff. You know, we are the official convenience store partnership with Tech. And so we're really excited about that opportunity and really wanted to expose that both on the stores as well as on the side of these Supa trucks. And just being a part of Tech, it really is fun to watch and get ingrained in what all's going on with Tech. We also have our own sign division. The guys are all here right now actually hanging on our canopies and our signs around stores. We knew this growth was coming. We do our own fuel teams, in-ground fuel installations where we possibly can, depending on labor, if we have it or we're actually needing them in Amarillo. We do our own warehouse. And then we've also recently opened up our new kitchen. And that's part of our fast and fresh food program that we want to bring to each one of our guests. We had everything going in our way in regards to whether it was convenience stores and gas stations, but we needed food. We needed something to really kind of set us off on the top. And so we jumped off in with the Wendy's brand and have really come to love the Wendy's brand. They are an incredible organization to work with in regards to training and bringing out the right quality product. And it really is. It is a quality product above any other QSR I've been to. They want to make sure we were the right fit and we want to make sure they were the right fit. And it was a two-year process to become a Wendy's franchisee. We also are as a Witch Witch franchisee. We're really trying to evolve in food. When you talk about what we've seen change from 2005 into where we are today, it's been a lot about vertically integrating all of our companies and businesses together. And how did the decision making come about for wanting to open up stores here in Lubbock? You know, it's a great question. I'll be completely honest about, I'm going to say 12 years ago, we had a pretty drastic plan to develop stores in Lubbock. Spent quite a bit of time and effort trying to pinpoint those proper lots to build stores, to acquire stores, to do whatever else. We just didn't think it was the right time for us. Our culture wasn't developed fully. Our leadership team wasn't quite the way we wanted it to all come together. So we put it on hold. And about five years ago, we had a different opportunity to go to two different territories. We were going to look at, of course, the Lubbock territory, which we actually had a nickname for it. It was kind of clever, I thought. I don't know why, but we called it New York. We didn't want everybody to know we were talking about Lubbock. I don't know why, but we did. So we always walk around the office like, hey, Project New York, New York. And why are we calling it New York? I don't know. It just worked. So we kept running with New York. It was for the Lubbock market. Did our analysis on it over a period of time and then another territory that we called Alaska. That one didn't take place. And so we're really fortunate that we said, okay, we took these two different territories and said, which one looks like a good opportunity for our business and for our team? Of course, Lubbock was closer. We'd already developed stores to the north. We developed a little bit east and west, but really we were wanting to start to head back south. We had two stores in Canyon and then also built a store in Plainview, Texas. The next logical transition would be to continue to move down into Lubbock. And you ask, you know, why Lubbock? I think that we can all look around and drive around Lubbock and kind of see the development and what's really happening with Lubbock. You have a extremely great market. You have a great community revolved around it and it's continuing to grow. We were fortunate enough to partner with a local land developer. And he had a lot of different opportunities for us to pursue and look at. That also made a very aggressive move for us to know, okay, we've got these lots that are being developed and coming into play. We were able to partner down in this market with Valero. We're very fortunate enough that they're a wonderful partner for fuel allocation and it gave us an opportunity to grow with them. But as we all look around, Lubbock is an absolute incredible town. And so we're really excited about the opportunity. 
Do you have a sense of what your footprint ultimately will be here in Lubbock? You know, it's probably going to roughly fall right in around 18. We would still like to find a couple more sites uh, in certain areas that we see a need with the Wendy's franchisee and the Mitches and so forth. You know, roughly it's somewhere around 500 to 550 team members that we're going to work with and develop and train. And we call it the toot and totem way. And that toot and totem way is those five values that I'd mentioned earlier. Whether you're at work, working with team members, or whether you're serving a guest is to create an experience that's worth repeating. What are some of the learnings that you've had by scaling a culture like that? As you've grown so large and over time, how do you maintain that kind of culture? How do you bring people in to that? We'd started this whole dynamics about 12 years ago about how fast we want to grow, where do we want to grow. You know, at that time, we just weren't ready. We took the time and we had to make sure we had the right leadership in place. We had the right team members in place to be able to scale in the way that we're looking. Throughout the course of time, we started getting comfortable. We kind of took a little hiatus of building in West Texas in general to prepare for this growth. The timing was just right. Everything kind of lined up. And the other thing that we had to do during that time frame was not change our culture, but reevaluate it and adapt it. And at the time, we had basically a three-circle prong approach. It was honor and value, make someone's day better, and profit per guest. So about three years ago, we developed the Toot and Totem Way, which basically took a course into concept, the honor and value side that we always strive for each and every day. Make a guest day better really boils down to being guest ready. We really did use some of those same cultures that we had, but just kind of reinvigorated them a little bit. How do you manage and think about your own leadership style, especially in an organization that has multiple generations of folks working for you? It all boils down to lead by example. Each and every day, you know, whether it's in a store or taking out trash or whatever else is boiled down to is being the right leader and being available for our team members. You know, we have a leadership team that runs each one of our departments. We communicate probably too much, which in today's world is very easy, whether it's one of the five different platforms you can communicate with somebody. That's what's difficult. Cell phone, email, Teams, chat. You start naming all the different areas that you can get into communication. That's probably more of the struggle than working together as a team. But we really do have an incredible group in regards to our leadership team. We made some pretty drastic changes about three years ago in two different departments in both our HR department as well as our fuel and marketing department. It's been night and day. When you really look at that, you know you made the right decisions when you look back today and go, okay, that HR leader and that vice president of fuel and all the others that have come along with our category manager, our vice president of category and sales, each and every one of them play a huge part. And as of recently, we have a new vice president of operations that is really doing wonderful things for our company really pushing that culture and leading us in the right direction that we need to be. Again, it takes each and every one of us to make this work. And so when you ask, when was the right time to move to Lubbock? It was organizing the team, getting it all together, honestly, financially as well, getting all of our ducks in a row to make sure we can get there. We have a wonderful relationship with the Financial Institute, Lubbock National Bank, that is helping us proceed down this path as well. It really does take a whole lot than just a dream. Everyone always says it starts with a dream, and it does. And it takes generations before that's able to get us there which started with Novi and, of course, Greg. Andrew, that's all the time that we have today. Thanks so much for coming on. Really do appreciate y'all very much, Nick. Thanks for the interview. Thanks for listening to Around Town. I'm your host, Nick Berkfeld. The show was produced by Chuck Luck. Our guest today was Andrew Mitchell, the CEO of Teuton Totem. Join us next Friday morning at 9 a.m. on 89.1. For more information on Around Town or to listen to previous episodes, visit ttupublicmedia.org. 